0: said that in a way all our problems can be brought down to one thing and that is the busy mind. We go to the past or the future to another time and another place and this separates us from this parallel universe, the moment. Now there is an exercise I, I give out where I ask people to Take a number from 1 to 10, and this is an indication of how busy their mind is. 1 or 0 would be a completely still mind, crystal clear with no thoughts. And 10 would be a mind that's so full of thoughts you couldn't get another thought in. People, when they get to their limit, when they become suicidal, often complain that they have that busy mind, it's overwhelmed with thoughts, you know at every moment of every day your attention's on something. And when we ask ourselves this question, just by asking this question, where is my mind from zero to ten, we have to, to a certain extent, detach from the thoughts, just in order to ask that question. But then we get down to something else, and we can ask ourselves, what, what are thoughts? There's the obvious thoughts, the immediate thoughts, so I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I'm working out this, I'm working out that, the calculations, the thinking about the immediate past or the future, the to-do list. And then there's more subtle thoughts, awareness that tomorrow you've got to do something, or next week you've got something hanging over you. And then there's emotions. And these emotions and feelings can go into many, many areas. If you've got relationship problems, they hang over you. If you've got money problems, it hangs over you. And people can be brought up with a certain disposition towards certain ways of thinking. For instance kids who are brought up in an abusive environment, where the father or the mother is sometimes the case, can be an alcoholic for instance, they can, if they start drinking they become very violent and abusive. And the kids grow up with this kind of hyper alertness. And even long after they've moved home and they've moved out and they might be married and have kids, that hyper-alertness stays with them. They find it very difficult to shut their mind down, to just be in the moment, because they're always expecting something. The mind keeps shooting off, the adrenaline keeps getting produced. Now, these layers of the mind are very difficult to come in contact with. We can start off and still the immediate thought processes. You won't stop them, but you detach from them. The way I put it is we shift from that left side of the mind into the right side of the mind. And in the right side, we move into the awareness of this other dimension, this moment, where we're able to observe the activity on the left side of the brain. But there's a couple of keys, doorways, as it were, that can help us through this one is the awareness of the body so we can do this when we meditate obviously if you're driving or you're doing something you won't find his, your body won't find you can do this but when you get a chance and sit down and do some meditation and become aware of the tension in the muscles And what you'll find is that you become aware after a while that there might be tension maybe around the forehead or the jaw or the chin or the shoulders or the back or something like this. And these tensions, just like the thoughts, the tensions can be there for years and years and years. People develop back problems because they go into work and they sit in an awkward position at their desk and they're not aware of it and then the body has to compensate because they are moving in a certain way, and because they are not in contact with their body they don't realise what they are doing. So as we tune into this we become aware of tensions that might be there all the time. And what you will find is that when you start to relax one set of muscles, you become aware that there is tension in other muscles and you can relax those. And then you become aware there's more tension in other muscles, or even those muscles you thought you relaxed have still got tension. It's like there's layers of tension, like layers of an onion that we peel off and peel off and peel off. And the other thing we can do is to become aware of sounds. Even in a relatively quiet environment, and most people who live in cities don't really have a quiet environment. You become aware of the obvious sounds. Sometimes we cut ourselves off from, if we live in a city in this background, traffic noise and things, we become immune to it, we cut ourselves off. So we have to allow those into our consciousness. And we become aware of layers of sound, in the same way as we become aware of layers of relaxation. When you think you're fully relaxed, you'll find you can relax even more. And when you think you're aware of all the sounds, you become aware that there's other subtleties. Even if you live in a city and there's traffic noise and there's things going on, you might become aware after a while that there's birds. They've been there all the time. But you cut them out. Because you cut yourself off from the sounds that were around you, you cut yourself off from these sounds as well. If there's traffic noise, you become aware of rhythms in the traffic. Become aware of more and more subtleties. And these are gateways, because in the same way as we become aware of more and more relaxation, the layers of relaxation, we become aware of the layers of sound we become aware of the layers of thoughts, and more and more subtle thoughts, and feelings, and emotions. People can live with very high degrees of what we call stress, and sometimes it manifests physically in the stomach, and they live with this. And they may be aware that they have stomach problems. But when they relax and they tune into it, we realise that those feelings in the stomach are related to emotions. There's books that relate physical ailments to mental Dispositions, as one might say, rather than saying problems. I I read one which related back problems to money issues. And I've seen people who come in and they complain about a pain in their shoulders. And when they talk, it's as if they've got the weight of the world on their shoulders and it manifests itself in a physical way. And sometimes when we know people well and they talk about their physical problems, it can become quite laughable when we realise how those problems relate to their mental disposition. I mean, sometimes they're not, sometimes we just flummoxed and there seems to be no rhyme or reason behind it. You see, there are those two dimensions as well, in the same way as I was talking about the body of the physical plane and the ephemeral plane. And so these manifest in ailments that can have a physical cause or have an ephemeral cause. In other words, because the body does have an aspect of itself as being a machine, it is subject to mechanical strains and stresses but it also has a relationship to the mind and the mental aspect. There are physical aspects of the body that are quite conscious. We can, for instance, move our arms or our legs or uh, we can move our head are conscious, we're aware, we can do it. There are other aspects of the body that are unconscious. We have no physical control over how the blood flows through our body, or how our brain cells work, or how our liver functions, or our kidneys function, and so on. Now we can Say that the physical, the conscious aspects of the body are controlled by the conscious aspects of the mind, and the unconscious aspects of the body are controlled by the unconscious aspects of the mind. This is why deep psychological issues and deep emotions give rise to physical manifestations. Using hypnosis and deep meditation and various other ways, we can bring ourselves into an awareness, at least to a certain extent, of those deeper parts of the mind. And this is what we call the expansion of consciousness. Because the conscious Awareness expands from what most people think is their conscious part of of their mind into aspects that are generally more unconscious. Now, if we look around at the people we work with or our friends and so on, because we can see this in other people we can't see it in ourselves, we become aware that there are some people seem to have fair degree of awareness. And there are some people who seem to run purely on automatic. For many people, and this applies to people who suffer with a, a high mental rate, that number that we were talking about from 0 to 10, when it gets up to the 8 and the 9 and the 10, it's as if, from the moment they wake up in the morning, To the moment they go to bed, they're dragged along by their thoughts. The metaphor of the thoughts is like a train. There's a train of thoughts because there's a carriage that's linked to the next one, that's linked to the next one. In a way that thoughts are linked, one moment you're thinking in, about shopping and then you're thinking about bananas and then you're thinking about a holiday you had and then you're thinking about a friend you went on holiday with who you haven't seen for years and then so on and so on and so on. These are like a train of thoughts that go down a track and we get dragged down that track, we get dragged along by that train of thoughts. So for many people, from the moment they wake up in the morning to the moment they go to bed at night, they have been dragged along by that train of thoughts. They think they have free will, but they haven't. Not, not really, because their thoughts are taking them where the thoughts are going. And the thought is not consciousness. People think thoughts are part of themselves, but really thoughts are no more part of yourself than what you hear. They come from somewhere else. And when we become aware of those thoughts and can detach from them, we develop true consciousness. But in order to do that, we have to expand our awareness away from what we think of as our consciousness into these deeper areas of the mind and these deeper emotions and so on. Now we talk about a train of thoughts. And in one sense, we can't stop that train of thoughts. It's too big, it's too powerful. And in a way, we don't need to. What we do is we, as it were, step off the track. So we move from that left side of the brain that's caught up in the thoughts, in time and space, into this right side of the brain that's in the moment. And we watch those thoughts. And you might even be aware that in the past you would have gone here with those thoughts, you would have gone there, something would have triggered you off. When we meditate and you become very relaxed, it's very difficult to stop the intellectual processes of the mind coming in and starting off on this train, starting off on a track. For instance, if you could imagine being very relaxed and meditating and it's quite quiet, and then you suddenly hear noises or voices, it would be very difficult for you to detach from those voices without wondering who it is, what's going on, what's happening. And the people who are hyper-vigilant, the people I was talking about who grew up in abusive environments, for instance, they do this all the time because they're always expecting something to happen. If you live in a very relaxed environment and you've got a very relaxed mind, you might hear those voices and just let it go because you, you know that it's nothing to be concerned about women with kids or babies develop a a tuning in to the baby. And sometimes this tuning in can go, or appear to go, and I think it probably does, outside of what we call time and space. The awareness that something's wrong, even though there's no physical manifestation of it and things like that. And there are many, many stories of women who become aware that something's happened to their maybe, you you know, their their kid, who might be at school or, or even grown up, and something happens and they get this sixth sense that something's wrong, because they're tuned in to various layers of the mind. Now, one of the curses of our modern society is that because we've rejected, or people out there have rejected, this other plane of existence, everything gets brought down to an intellectual way of thinking. So things that can't be explained through what they call science, which isn't a real science at all, it's just their hogwash thinking, gets dismissed. So people cut themselves off from this aspect of their thinking. And not only do people cut it off, but people are encouraged to cut it off by society. If you get a feeling about somebody, and I've talked about this previously, if you get a feeling about somebody, or about a situation, the academics will say, oh no, you have to be able to rationalise it, you have to be able to put it into thoughts. Well, no, you don't. Become tuned in to those feelings, to that awareness, because this, this is an aspect of those deeper layers of the mind and the expansion of consciousness. So whereas as a what I'm proposing, what I'm talking about in these podcasts is to expand the consciousness, our society is, in one sense, going in completely the opposite direction. It's going towards a contraction of consciousness. It's encouraging people to move away from what they don't understand towards well, what scientists want them to accept, what they call science. And this is really for another podcast because the whole, I've talked about this a bit in, in in previous podcasts but this whole idea of what's called science is a fallacy. Now, when we think of meditation, we think of sitting in a quiet room, maybe the legs crossed and closing our eyes and becoming aware of our breathing and so on. And this is a form of meditation. And it's a very important uh, thing. To, it's very important. It's, it's something worth doing every day to do some meditation and quieten the mind. But really, meditation is something we should be doing every moment of every day, and this has been called mindfulness. It's the awareness of our body, of what we're hearing, of what we're seeing, aware of our position of our body. If uh, if you've ever worked in an office, an open plan office, they have... Uh, air con- an air conditioning system, and of course, the air conditioning is is used to filter the air and, cl- and cool the air. But it serves another purpose. The noise of the air conditioning is a kind of white noise, and this suppresses the 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 noise, the voices, and so on, that goes around, so that voices don't carry. You can have a conversation in your cubicle, and the people a few cubicles away can't hear it. And if you've ever been in an office and I can play in an office and the air conditioning suddenly stops, there's a sudden awareness. You weren't aware that that noise was there until it stopped. And then you suddenly find you're tuned into all these sounds, all these noises that are going on. They were there all the time, but you weren't aware of them. Now that white noise is what goes on in our minds. And when we can stop that we then tune in to the subtleties of our situation, not just in terms of what we hear, but in terms of what we feel, what we see, what we smell, and so on. Thank you for listening. You can leave comments on my Podbeam page. You can email me, phil at braham.net. You can visit my website, podcasts.braham.net. And I hope to hear back from you. Thank you.